Hello, and welcome to the Los Angeles Convention Center in beautiful, lovely downtown Los Angeles. If I'm coming to you from downtown LA and I'm wearing a red sweater in October, that could mean only one of two things. Either the Angels are still in the playoffs, or I'm at LA Comic Con, and the Angels didn't make the playoffs this year. So the crowd is excited, literally they are excited to enter. They were cheering earlier when the escalators came on. Okay, so even though I have a press pass, being instructed to go down, to go back up. Welcome to Los Angeles, folks. And the convention is officially opened. He had an issue with you in the last movie, language. You know, I can do this all day. <laughs> yeah, but when you saw yourself in the past, you said a bad word, which you wouldn't have said six movies earlier. Sometimes the situation calls for it, and you just got to do it. I thought it was because you've been hanging out with Tony Starks for so long. Well, that could be it. You know, he's a bad influence. Yes, he is. So, Deadpool, since you merged with the TARDIS, is this an infinite fourth wall break? Hell yeah! <laughs> and it's bigger on the inside. That's what she said. <laughs> There's a guy cosplaying as Freddie Mercury and a guy on the other side doing the AO thing. And we're now on the escalator going up. So we're here at LA Comic Con and next to me is Gigi Edgley who's if you've ever seen Farscape or episode 6 of Star Trek Continues. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> no, thank you. So my first question would be growing up in in Australia, how did you come about sci-fi or fantasy? Uh, I've always been in love with unicorns and mermaids and fairies and I've always been quite obsessed with the dark crystal and the labyrinth, so it's ironic that many moons later I get to work with this extraordinary company. I'm absolutely so blessed and I've just had the most amazing journey with the Henson Company over the past oh, 20 or more years and it feels like that there's more Farscape on the horizon. They've been uh, speaking about a new series to shoot in Australia and uh, they've just re-released it on Amazon Prime as well. So I'm super excited. I'm like, hurry up, I want to be Chiana again. So it, it would, would it be a continuation of where the Peacekeeper Wars left off or? You'll have to wait and see. You signed an NDA, you can't say anything. No comment. <laughs> but it's been fantastic since I've moved to America. I've created a lot of my own productions. I also do music. I'm performing with the amazing Flux Capacitors uh, tomorrow night at Ready Party One, the awesome party that Bernie Bregman and Nerdbot and uh, X Levelant put on. So I'm very excited about that. And uh, uh, we've also been doing uh, a couple of short films as well. I just completed this beautiful film called Hashtag that was a Kickstarter. We raised about 45. Uh, 44,000 
and uh, it's a beautiful film that we want to turn into an anthology series or something bigger and it's it's been getting an amazing amount of momentum so I've, I've been watching that very closely as well and that was pretty much all from the love of fans and Farscape supporters you know so I'm very appreciative I love these comic cons I love coming all over the world to visit fans and let them know how appreciative I am. Did you think when you did Farscape over 20 years ago that you, you would still be, that would, be, the fan base would still be around and there would be so much, I, what's the word I'm looking for? It's excitement for it still. It's, if you've seen the show, it's hard to explain the impact that it has had on hundreds of thousands of people's lives, including my own. To be doing the convention circuit more than 20 years after the show is completed is a fair sign to say this show is out of this world amazing, you know. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Also, if people want to um, follow my journey, I'm going to conventions all around the world. My brother and I just did a fan run tour as well because we play music called the Wonderland Tour. So people can check out my website. It's gigiedgley.com and it's got links to all my social media on there and I can't wait to meet you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so I've seen so far several spider people. One scoops ahoy. Those people aren't cosplayers. They are in the Navy. They get to sail the seven seas in the Navy. Also seen several Captain Marvel. It's only Friday and there's a good crowd here in the vendor's room. Because it's Friday, all of the panels are only on the main stage and they're going to be starting at 3 p.m., 3 to 7. There'll be more panels and more celebrity panels this weekend. So tomorrow, there's going to be a, I have to put a disclaimer and quantify this. There's going to be an office reunion tomorrow, but it's not the main cast of the office. It's the supporting players from the office. So, so is impeachment a big seller right now? <laughs> We've actually tripled the sales in the last two weeks. And interestingly, so the first one we did was two and a half years ago, and we yeah. predicted what would happen. <laughs> if you look at the picture, there's all stuff that hadn't happened yet, yeah. and it happened. We did have a new version called the Impeachment Tea, the Muller Blend, and that one's all stuff he is currently doing, which is, they're both kind of sad. <laughs> yes. So what is the difference between regular impeachment and Mueller Blend? So the flavor is the same. Uh, it's basically a before and after. Uh, so the first one was more, uh, this is kind of, sadly it's one after, uh, but they're done by different artists. Okay. One is uh, a Mexican immigrant, the first one, the second one is an Israeli immigrant. Okay. Uh, very different styles, uh, one is more like of a playfulness, the original, and the other one is a little more dark. In fact, uh, Trump is, has green hair because he's like the Joker, he's insane, he's killing everyone. So, so have any other of your, your teas have, have become... Have sort of skyrocketed in popularity. Sticker? Sure, I love it. Thanks. We also have this one. This is our Muller blend. Yeah, I like this one. Okay. <laughs> I like to buy the teas. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, though. You're welcome. So, have any other teas have, have sort of become popular other than the impeachment blend? Yeah, their most popular one is actually Freddie Mercury. 
And it's Fred T. Mercury Bohemian Raspberry. <laughs> so people love double puns, like double rainbows. Yeah. Uh, and we actually ship that one all over the world. It's the only one that's everywhere. Uh, we also have our new line that just came out. It's pretty popular. It's our Scientists. So it's Albert Einstein Relativity, Nikola Tesla, and Marie Curie Radiant Hibiscus. So when you get the Nikola Tesla, does Edison come by and then steal it? <laughs> you know, we, we actually use a lot of those jokes, but interesting is actually they weren't really enemies. Okay. And Tesla, Einstein didn't really steal his ideas. He actually worked for Edison. Uh, and when and Tesla's lab burnt down, Edison actually gave him lab space for free to do, continue his research. So they're kind of like frenemies. Okay. But it is funny. We said, it was a funny meme we posted. It said, if someone teals, steals a Tesla, is it now called an Edison? Edison. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. Well, okay, you have a crowd. Thank you. It's a pleasure. If you listened to last year's coverage of LA Comic Con, Saturday was well attended, but Sunday people were, I guess, tentative, I guess would be the best word, to attend because you had... One of those rare things, those super sports, perfect storms, with the Kings playing a matinee next door at the Staples Center, the Rams playing the Packers at the Coliseum, Game 5 of the World Series at Dodger Stadium, and then that night the Clippers were playing the Rockets. So this year that won't be an issue because the Dodgers got eliminated from the playoff. Go Cardinals! Okay, so if you can just introduce yourself. I am Mark Kerr, and I am the lead dungeon master for Vicious Mockery on YouTube. Okay, so for those of you that are not familiar, what is a dungeon master? Well, a uh, dungeon master is a person who essentially runs a Dungeons & Dragons game. So they, they write and uh, they act as the narrator and the villains for a... Uh, make-believe story. <laughs> That's the easiest way to, to describe it. Uh, Dungeons & Dragons, you use dice to dictate whether you hit or miss, attacks, uh, whether you succeed or fail, uh, persuasion checks, things like that. Okay. Yeah, so it's a lot of like uh, playing pretend with adults. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Now you said you were the Game Hub. Yeah, the Game Hub in Manhattan Beach. They asked me to uh, come over here today, sell a couple board games, play a couple board games today, and also promote my YouTube channel. So I get that cool luxury of being able to be a geek and then be a geek and then sell. What is your YouTube channel? Uh, it's Vicious Mockery. Uh, if you just type in Vicious Mockery, you're going to see a V and an M uh, overcast by a dice, and that is me. Yeah. So what are some of the popular games that you, that you have here today? Well, I have uh, Resident Evil 2, the board game, which is a really, really popular game. Uh, it's it's uh, kind of like a Betrayal at House on the Hill, where as you move forward in the game with your miniature, uh, the, the space becomes uh, more filled out, and more zombies and monsters start appearing, and uh, it's, it's your job to try to escape, kill, and or survive the space itself. Well, uh, I, I, well, I see you have the Batman the Animated Series. I actually saw a, a, a playthrough of that on Game the Game. Yeah, and, and I, I haven't yet played this one, um, but I, I venture to think this is going to be really, really popular. Batman is awesome, an awesome property. I believe that's a deck builder game. Yeah. Um, it's made by IDW, which make a ton of the DC Warner Brothers games. Uh, either the, the miniature games or the card games. And I, uh, they're a very trustworthy board game, card game maker. Yeah. 
Now, it, would you say we're in an, a renaissance of board games, given that now people are going on Indiegogo yeah. or Kickstarter? Kickstarter. Yeah. yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, like because of those uh, uh, Indiegogo, Kickstarter type. Uh, uh, what, are, what do they call them? Uh, ah. Startups. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like um, user-funded uh, products. I mean, we're we're in a, definitely in a in a new era of board games. It, it, no board game is like your Monopoly anymore, and they, they or or Sorry or whatever Scrabble. You can still play those. That's fine. But now we're playing Cards Against Humanity. You know, we're not we're not just playing a game of Scrabble. Like we're getting like twelve people together, and we're playing, you know, um, we're we're playing silly games like Tokyo Highway or uh, Seven Wonders, which are like deck builder games. Tokyo Highway is more like a game where you have to move um, a car through a series of highways without the highways being knocked over. And so it's like Jenga, <laughs> but like your. Yeah, basically building a freeway structure. Okay. Yeah. In Tokyo. In, in Tokyo. Yeah. Absolutely. Are you allowed to drift? Um, <laughs> I wouldn't because that would knock over a lot of my uh, my towers and my my freeways. Uh, so you know, I would caution against the drifting. Okay. Personally. Okay. <laughs> so then you have a game set up here. Right. Yes. Um, what is this? This Century. Yes. So it's like Century Golem Edition. Century uh, can be equated to, um, it can be equated to, uh, like a sort of like a deck builder game, uh, where the the whole goal is to uh, obtain currency gems to basically you know uh, build more currency than your opponent. Okay. Yeah, and uh, you use your cards that you have to purchase. Uh, I always forget the name of these point cards and then essentially it's the highest points wins oh, okay. yeah these these games are very simple um, and they could go from really really simple to super complicated but I, I think we're getting to the point where uh, because of this new renaissance of board games people are trying to find new ways to explain the over complicated theories and things like that well there so, are all those channels like tabletop oh, yeah. and game the game where they actually play they, they do a video where they explain the rules, and then they do a video where they actually play the game. Absolutely. And, and it, it's just too easy to learn something new. Uh, we, uh, YouTube, Twitch, uh, you can get exposed to almost anything, and it's, 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 it's beautiful. Uh, I've, I run Dungeons & Dragons on Wednesdays at the Game Hub in Manhattan Beach, and I'm the lead dungeon master there, and I see, I'm the person who sits with the middle schoolers and the elementary schoolers, teaching them how to play Dungeons and Dragons. And a lot of times before they even get to me, uh, to where they, you know, I teach them how to, how the rules work, they already know the rules because they've already went and looked at at, um, at Critical Role. They've already looked at uh, YouTube videos that explain how to build characters. And they come with characters ready to go or they've seen it on Stranger Things. Like uh, media exposure is just everywhere and, and kids can find, anything if they want and it, it, it's great it, I, I wish I was their age right now because I, when I grew up it was like Transformers you know and Ninja Turtles on cartoons well I remember because if you there, there are there only like two instances where I can remember shows where 
Dungeons and Dragons was the main plot an episode right. of Greatest American Hero uh -huh. and an episode of Baywatch Nights. <laughs> and, and you're also missing the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon, which came out in the late 80s. Oh, I thought it was the early 80s. Oh, yes, yes, you, you're absolutely correct. Because um, I, re I just remember... I just remember watching it only a few times, and it go like I don't understand how this is a game. Like it feels like your Saturday morning Thundercats, yeah. and uh, it, it doesn't really feel like it's connecting to the game at all. Um, and subsequently, I learned it really doesn't. Uh, <laughs> that, that really wasn't the goal. Is is the idea was to say Dungeons and Dragons over and over and over, and then eventually the kids would go, "Okay, what is Dungeons and Dragons?" Okay. Yeah, and. Now you, you could do it with a YouTube search, as opposed to going to the library, yeah. card catalog, yeah, or looking at your TV guide to find out when the next episode of the Dungeons and Dragons show is. Okay, I I love I absolutely love this medium, um, and uh, I I just I I'm, I'm happy. I I really wish like Kickstarter wouldn't like go under and. Uh, like, I, I really hope that it, it can stay the way it is uh, because uh, guys like you and I can, can go out and, and have a good idea and make it happen. We, we may think it only will take us a year to make it happen. It may take two. Yeah. Um, but, but because of, like, Indiegogo, we have that opportunity. It's, it's, uh, it's the way capitalism should be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what, well, you're playing Century today. What, yeah. Do you have an idea what you'll be playing tomorrow and Sunday? Uh, I can play almost anything. <laughs> I, I, I prefer Dungeons and Dragons because that's my major mode of transportation. <laughs> but uh, I know Seven Wonders. Uh, I know Splendor. And I'm going to be learning uh, how to play Tokyo Highway. And uh, this is uh, one of the games that's... Uh, Shagrata, Shagrata, uh, which one of my uh, co my co table mates will probably demo okay. at some point on Saturday or Sunday. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It'd be Thank a lot you of very fun. much. Hey, it was nice meeting you, man. You've probably seen the picture. I guess it's become a meme now at this point, where it's a business, it's a liquor store. And the middle door is closed, but there's a sign on it that says, I assure you, we are open. They made a booth out of that here. It's Lego Batman. I got to get a picture of this. Hey, Lego Batman, aren't you afraid to be here? There are clowns next to you. So for those of you not familiar with downtown Los Angeles, the convention center is right next door to the Staples Center where they, I'm not sure if they currently still do the Grammys there, but at one point they were doing the Grammys there. And the northern portion of the convention center was the press area. So they bring, them bring the winners over here and they would take questions from the press. And the Staples Center is the cornerstone of the LA Live Complex, which is, well, I believe it's called the Microsoft Theater now. And for those of you not familiar, the Staples Center is a sports arena, home to the Los Angeles Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers, 
of the National Basketball Association, the Los Angeles Sparks of the Women's National Basketball Association, and the Los Angeles Kings of the National Hockey League. That would be ice hockey. All right, so we're outside of the main room. We're in an auxiliary, auxiliary room where all of the fan run groups are. So we'll start up here. Our good friends from the USS Artesia. How's everybody doing? We are doing well, always. Last time we saw each other was back in February at Long Beach Comic Expo. Yeah, yeah, uh, I do remember that. We did, uh, we did some great stuff over there. Met a lot of good people and had a good, good time. Do you have any thoughts about the new trailers that dropped, the one for Picard and the one for season three of Discovery? That was some wonderful stuff. Uh, the Picard show is going to be a winner. Uh, there's, there's no question about it. Uh, Discovery, uh, I know there's a lot of opposition on Discovery, but we have a good time with that show too. So that's a, that's a lot of fun. And have you seen any of the short treks yet? Yes, I've seen uh, the one that was just released last night. Which so was these are the ungenetically modified Tribbles. Oh, that depends. Uh, yeah, I would say ungenetically modified, sure. Uh, adding human DNA to a triple. Well, is, that explains a lot now. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. That new captain, though, she was pretty awesome. I thought she was a really interesting character. And her final line of that episode was wonderful. Yes. He was an idiot. He was an idiot. It was perfectly well-timed. Not what you expect from a Starfleet captain. Hopefully tomorrow and Sunday you'll get guys get a bigger crowd. That would be nice. Uh, the floor for Friday is very busy, but this particular floor is ghost town. Okay. So they just don't know where we are. If they knew where we are, they'd be here. Well, I will tweet it out where you guys are. Awesome. Thank you. Hello. Can I interview you really quick or... Well, what is this booth for? It's for uh, IGA Independent Game Alliance, or Indie Game Alliance. Uh, it's a company that helps small publishers. Oh, okay, so these are all independent, small published games. Um, I think a few of them might not be, but most of them are. I think oh. he brought some uh, to bring more games. Oh. Uh, but yeah, and what we do is we do demos and show people how to play them. So, so which, which one of these games is your favorite? Actually, I, these aren't mine. Oh. <laughs> so I actually don't know any of these games. Okay. So okay. I have to learn these games. Okay. I didn't bring mine. Oh, okay. Well, what is your favorite? What is my favorite? Yeah. Uh, probably uh, Dinosaur Island or The Networks. Okay. Right. Thank you. Board games. Okay, so if you can introduce yourself, sir, and let, let, let everyone know what, what booth this is. Uh, my name's Aaron, and I'm with the R2 Builders, Mousetroid Builders, and BB-8 Builders. Okay, and this is the B your BB-8 that you're currently working on? Yeah, this is my BB-8, um, so we're getting them ready to roll around right now. So is it like the actual screen when it has magnets inside? Yeah, uh, there's magnets in the head and in the ball, and that's kind of what holds everything together. What was the hardest part of building it? Uh, getting the head light enough, because if the head is too heavy, then everything else in the, the ball has to be super heavy, so it just gets a lot harder to control. Okay. All right, thank you. Yeah, no and we're going to make our way back into the vendor's room, the main hall. 
So currently signing autographs at the moment is the gentleman that played Flash Gordon in the 1980 film Flash Gordon. Lou Ferrigno, who played the Incredible Hulk in the live-action series back in the late 70s, early 80s, and Gigi Edgeley. So those are currently the only people that are at the autograph tables. It's going to be 5 o'clock, and schools have let out, so kids, you'll see more kids and teenagers here. You really didn't see that many earlier, but tomorrow and Sunday... You will see all kinds of families here. Earlier I saw a family, they did a group cosplay. The theme was Scoops Ahoy from Stranger Things. The countdown is on because Nichelle Nichols is here. And as you know, the farewell convention is going to be next May in Burbank. So yeah, it just really hits you. All right, so if you can introduce yourself. My name is Jave Galt Miller. Let me stand, it'll probably be easier. And what is the, the um, comic that you wrote? So I've got a graphic novel called Lesbian Zombies from Outer Space. And it's a horror comedy um, which pretty much takes uh, a flawed male sexual fantasy and turns it into a nightmare. Where'd you get the idea for, I apologize, graphic novel, not comic? Either. Where'd I get the idea? Well, uh, mostly um, I, I just kind of wanted to make fun of this idea of guys who like girl-on-girl uh, -girl action, and in part because uh, I am also a big fan of that, but it kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then uh, at the same time, I was driving around L.A. a lot, and I saw um, fashion models, very thin, almost looked like heroin junkies or, or zombies, and I just clicked, lesbian zombies from outer space. And what was the reception when it came out? I mean, it's been good so far. People enjoy it. Uh, I mean, you have to like a horror comedy, and it's uh, it's got nudity in it, so it's kind of uh, more of an R-rated kind of deal. But um, if you're into all that, it's good for you. And where can someone buy Lesbian Zombies from Outer Space? Well, apart from the L.A. Comic Convention, uh, you can find it on Amazon, eBay, or the website lesbianzombies.com. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. How did you get Star Trek Discovery trading cards? I haven't seen those anywhere, and I was at the Vegas convention in August. And oh. I didn't see those there. How much do I have to spend to spin the wheel? Oh, okay. He's like, I'm all in. You had me at hello. We just need 30 seconds of your time. We are a new independent uh, comic book publisher. Oh, okay. Can I interview you folks? Um, you can. The person to interview is probably someone from our editorial. She'll be back tomorrow. Oh, okay. No, I didn't know they were trading cards. Oh, well, go ahead and give a spin. Let's see what happens. See the odds are in your favor. Okay. To quote my people, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies, stop. Thank you. We'll get our upshot as well.
Well, some horror thriller ones, I'd actually venture their full color illustrations. If okay. you put them together, you'll see our new Avengers coming out. Okay. Thank you. Of course, enjoy. If you can introduce yourself, sir. Hey, I'm Ryan, Ryan Burke. I work on the comic series Coronary. Okay, and what is Coronary about? It's basically what would happen if plastic surgery became free. Imagine if uh, James Bond and James Bond and Black Mirror had a baby. Basically follows the guy that made it happen and all the people that want him dead for it. For making plastic surgery free? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay, and why do people want that person dead? Well, it's, it's because they want things to go back to how they were before, which is before everything went crazy. So there's a faction of people that want him dead, like physically, like assassins. And then there's uh, the police that want to just arrest him and have him tried and all that good stuff. Well, how exactly does the world go crazy because plastic surgery is free? But in addition to the plastic surgery, he also sells uh, like lifestyle medication, like both pharmaceuticals, like um, antidepressants, Botox, like tons of stuff. Yeah. Okay. Right. And if someone wanted to buy an issue of coronary, where can they do that? So we're at the conventional three days, but we also have it on Amazon and Comixology as well. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah appreciate it. Okay, if you can introduce yourself. Hello, uh, this is L. Stephanie Tate, and I am the creator and host of Sisters of Sci-Fi podcast. Did you want to ask Yes. Great. Okay. So what exactly is the Sisters of Sci-Fi podcast? So it is a podcast that is uh, all about women in science fiction. Half of it is a book club where me and a co-host will actually, uh, well, we won't read a book on air, but we will have read a book, and then we will discuss it, and it's written by a woman. And then the other half is interviewing women in STEM. And so it's not only learning about the research that they're doing, which is really important, but also about who they are, because it also allows us to humanize the people who are doing this for important research topics that aren't necessarily making the news. And you're able to put the science fiction and place it into what's happening currently in the world of science. Absolutely, and the cool thing about that is it's also showing how current things that are going on in STEM are inf informing future science fiction as well, and we can see how it all sort of goes hand in hand with each other. So do you have a current favorite author? You know, it's really hard. <laughs> I don't, but there are three books specifically that made me decide to do the podcast. Uh, one was Bloodline by Claudia Gray, which is a Star Wars book. Uh, the other is A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. And the third one is Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie. They are incredible stories, completely different from each other. Very well-rounded, nuanced characters, which I personally love and I think we need more of. Okay. Thank you very much. Oh, of course, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Um, I'm guessing you're responsible for the two-party opera? Yeah, two-party opera. Okay. Should I just uh, do the same thing? Yeah, you can. Okay, great. Um, my name is Brian Carroll. I'm the author and writer of Two-Party Opera. Okay, so what exactly is Two-Party Opera? So Two-Party Opera is, uh, half of it's a political cartoon and the other half is an American history comic. And the daily news cycle kind of informs what kind of story in American history we'll be talking about based on what's happening in current events. Okay, so I'm guessing right now a lot of parallels would be to FDR and the New Deal. Mm -hmm. We did FDR and the New Deal. We also do some Truman. 
uh, when we start talking about nuclear proliferation, uh, especially when we're in in regards to Korea, uh, for all his role in uh, you know for the past 80 years from now to, since uh, when yeah. that happened. Um, but we also talk, you know, the, a lot of Ulysses S. Grant and the kind of fake news that happened happened back then with the Lost Cause. A lot of uh, William Pulitzer and uh, yeah, yeah w William McKinley. We talk a lot about how he he didn't particularly get hoodwinked to go to war with Spain, but a lot of the people who were reading the media at that time did and supported that effort. So a lot of the stuff that's happening now, it's very easy to tie back in history because history is cyclical. Right, you know, with Washington, he was burned in effigy, and then you had the two competing newspapers, the, the Federalist newspapers and the Anti-Federalist newspapers. Absolutely, especially in the second term, because a lot of, and it's a way also to show that these men who were presidents, you know, weren't just these godly saints. Like, you know, we love Washington, but we don't really learn about his second term where, yeah, he was very criticized, and Lincoln in the same way, where he was most of the country, not just the Confederacy, but even in the North, uh, they were protesting him. They were you know, against a lot of his policies. They thought the war was bad for the country. And so we look at it now with rose-tinted glasses, but they went through the news cycle in a similar way that we do today. Well, yeah, with Lincoln, he had the radical Republicans. And if he hadn't been assassinated, they may have impeached him instead of Johnson. They may have, yeah, because he became idolized basically in death. You know, and, and what Johnson did to kind of reverse a lot of his policies, you know, not, not to show my cards a little bit, but it's a lot when you see the progression between James Buchanan, Lincoln, and Andrew Johnson. It's very similar, in my opinion, to the George W. Bush, Barack Obama, Donald Trump, kind of, you know, three for three, where you have one person who kind of gets us into a war that we can't get out of, another person who's trying to reform it, and then the other person who tries to reverse the predecessor's policies one by one. Well, the way I was taught was Buchanan decided to not do anything and just let the South do whatever they wanted until Lincoln came in. That's exactly right. So James, well, I should say the way James Buchanan uh, defended himself is by saying that he did not believe that the South has the right to secede, but that he personally as president has no authority to stop them. Okay. But behind the scenes, he was also you know, pulling the strings, like with uh, Dred Scott. You know, he was personally lobbying the Supreme Court justices to make the Dred Scott decision happen the way it was. So it's not like he was hands off, although he'd like history to think that. And so I, I expose, not expose, but I tried to cover a lot of that kind of history as well. Kind of the, the nuance, the nitty gritty, the stuff that we don't always hear or a different shade of the story we've been taught our whole lives. It wasn't always this neat, clean thing that we get in the history books today. Not at all. In, in just while I'm on the topic of Lincoln, I do a lot of comics where, you know, people love Lincoln as well. But, uh, you know, he would also, he shut down the press, he shut down other things. Like, he wasn't really well liked back then. And I think the decisions that he made make him more interesting of a person than to exonerate everything he did, make him seem very wise. Even the, the founding fathers, you know, they're all very wise. They all knew what they were doing. If you look at those debates, very little of them agreed on anything. Yeah. And th that's what makes a more, more colorful history. We should be proud of that history, to be honest. We should be acknowledging the mistakes, acknowledging how horrendous it was, but then also celebrate it as an imperfect heritage that we do have, as imperfect as it is. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. Wait, can I interview you really quick about your cosplay? Uh, sure. Okay. You're too young to have remembered the Hamburglar. Uh, yes. <laughs> 
So, one, how'd you find out about the Hamburglar? And two, why are you cosplaying as the Hamburglar? Um, uh, the internet. And two, because I thought it'd be funny. <laughs> and I was right. But you're missing the mask. I have it. I, I lost I my, my way to put it onto my face. Okay. Yes. Now, all we need to do is find somebody cosplaying Gr Grimace and Mayor McCheese. Yes. And it'll be a whole ragtag no. team. No. No, you gotta do Grimace, who's basically their version of Eeyore, who's this big purple thing. Why is there more? Would you like to dress up as big purple thing? No. Or would you like to be, or, would you, or Mayor McCheese? Oh, would you like to be Mayor McCheese? <laughs> Maybe. Yes. Maybe. <laughs> okay, thank you. This is day two of Los Angeles Comic Con. It's Saturday, there is a much bigger crowd here today. So I just got out of a panel. Um, one of the panelists was a good friend of the show, Laura Siracle. Um The name of the panel was Black to the Future, Person of Color Representation in Time Travel. It was a very interesting panel. We're gonna make our way into the vendor's room and see what's going on today. Okay, so if you can introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Frederick Packard. I'm Josh Vallier. Okay, and then the in front of me are, are the books that you, the comic books, comic books or graphic novels? Uh, comics and then one uh, anthology book as well. Okay, if you can just walk me through some of the titles we have here. Sure, uh, so Skyland is an all ages fantasy epic. Uh, and it won Fantasy Book of the Year in 2017 on Comic Central. Uh, it's kind of her hero's journey to becoming a dragon rider. Uh, we have issue one and issue two here. Um, and we also have Soul Survivor, uh, which if you're familiar with like Firefly or The Punisher, it's a nice little hybrid between the two. Uh, Soul Survivor is about the last surviving human who is seeking revenge against the alien empire who wiped out the entire human race. Uh, so it's one guy's mission of revenge. Mm -hmm. And then we have a variant cover on the table uh, which it was done by Eddie Nunez. Um, Eddie Nunez did a lot of work for like IDW, Ninja Turtles, things like that. Uh, but the lead artist on that is Pez, um, super talented guy, um, and couldn't be happier. As for Tales of Quran, that's kind of just a nice little preview book, anthology of different stories that we've been working on. Okay, and if someone wanted to get their get your book, comic books, where could they get them from? Uh, in 2020, they'll be in all the comic book stores. Um, so they're going to have a release in 2020. Um, and then as for if you wanted to buy individual copies right now, you could probably go to sourcepointpress.com um, or you could follow us on Quran underscore comics uh, on Instagram. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Were you one of the writers? Yes, I'm the writer. Okay, if you can introduce yourself. My name is Elisa Parhat. I'm the writer of Los Angeles. Okay, and where'd you get the idea to do this? I had written an adult kind of book about the history of Los Angeles and I thought LA is such an interesting creative city that I wanted to do a showcase kind of for kids about what the city's all about. Okay. And how was it received when it came out? Um, it's been doing very well. Um, it's an easy book to sell in the sense there's so many visitors to Los Angeles um, and it, it's 
I love the illustration, I guess I can say, so I think that that's something that draws people to it. Thank you. The cosplayer today is running the gambit all over the place from comics, Marvel, DC, to video games, to the usual sci-fi, Star Trek, Star Wars, to pop culture. I am noticing there's a lot of Scoops Ahoy's cosplay, because there was a family that did a group Scoops Ahoy cosplay yesterday. Okay, well sir, if you can introduce yourself. Yeah, hi, I'm David Pepos. I'm the writer of Going to the Chapel and Spencer and Locke over at Action Lab Comics. Okay, if you can tell us about your new new book, Going to the Chapel. Sure. Going to the Chapel, it's like Die Hard meets Wedding Crashers. It's about a gang of bank robbers that thinks robbing rich people's weddings would be easier than robbing banks. They're going to find out just how wrong they are. It's like if Quentin Tarantino had a baby with Arrested Development and then chose to bring that baby to a wedding. Or if Quentin Tarantino directed Ocean's Eleven and mixed it with Wedding Crashers. Exactly, exactly that. Um, it's the story of Emily Anderson, a wealthy bride-to-be who's grappling with a serious case of cold feet. But before she can say anything, her wedding is taken over by a gang of bank robbers known as the Bad Elvis Gang. And so she's going to wind up becoming the unlikely ringleader of her own hostage situation to get out of walking down the aisle. Uh, it, I've always felt that rom-coms got a bad rap, uh, not just in the direct market, but in pop culture as a whole. So I wanted to write one that I thought everybody would enjoy. And uh, so far, I think going to the chapel's been it. We've gotten uh, rave reviews, including from uh, actor and comedian Patton Oswalt. And um, yeah, people have just been really loving this book. They're, they're all finding out that love is the ultimate hostage situation. And if someone wanted to get going to the chapel, where could they get that? Yeah, they can order it anywhere comics are sold. Uh, we're distributed through Diamond. So you can order going to the chapel at your local comic shop, uh, Comixology. You can pre-order our trade paperback on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It'll be out Valentine's Day week. But yeah, issue one's already in comic shops everywhere. Issue two comes out on the 23rd. And um, issue three will be coming out two weeks after that. Issue four will be out the week before Christmas. All right, thank you. Thank you. Okay, we can introduce yourself. Oh, sure. I'm David Schrader, and uh, I'm the writer, co-creator of Baby Badass from Action Lab Danger Zone. So where'd you get the idea for this idea? Uh, it may have had something to do with um, cookies that I didn't know had uh, uh, extra properties. Ah. But this is a long time ago. Okay. And uh, I think it was just the idea of the baby kicking everyone's ass that made us laugh, and then we'd start to develop a full backstory for it. And how, how was it received when it came out initially? It, it was received really well. It turned into like a little bit of a, a cult hit. I think there's some people that may have misunderstood it a little bit just because it seems like this crazy book about a, a killer baby. Um, it does kind of spoof some of the 90s comics tropes. Uh, it's a lot of sex and violence and crazy shit that happens, but it turns into something else. It's set in the year 2043, okay. and the future is kind of like everything that... Everything bad that could happen has already happened, and that's okay. that's the setting of it. Okay. And it's a kind of a classic good versus evil story, but it's also a cautionary tale. Now, if someone wanted to, to purchase Baby Badass, where could they get that? You could get it uh, at any of your comic shops you can order through you know through Diamond, um, but it's also available Walmart, Target, uh, um, uh, Barnes and Noble, uh, but Amazon.com. So you could order it anywhere you get books. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. Enjoy the show. Thank you. So to catch you up on what's been going on on day two, it has been, it is crazy today. I honestly have not seen this many people 
Well, let me restate that. I was not expecting this many people on a Saturday. Last year wasn't as crazy. I mean, the line just to get into the convention center to pick up your pass was snaking around the building and taking as long as two hours minimum for people to get their pass. And I'm not the only one who feels this way. It is literally the lobby area in front of the, the big hall is wall-to-wall people. So we're going to make our way back into the big room and see what's going on in there. So today I've been noticing a lot more Scoops Ahoy cosplay, a lot more Marvel, um, a lot of families doing group cosplay Bob's Burgers, a gentleman was doing Mork from Mork and Mindy. There's a guy right here doing Constantine. How's Lou doing? How's what? How's Lou doing? Ah, he's doing okay enough. Okay. When you see him again, he still owes me money. All right. Okay. Pardon me. Sorry. I've seen several Star-Lords in various forms. A lot of variations on the X-Men, Marty McFly. A lot of Deadpools. People love cosplaying Deadpool and just being creative with it. No, and your text Yeah. You know who I'm thinking of? Oh, that's a real microphone. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm that's okay. No, I'm pressed. <laughs> well, that was nice. <laughs> The security guard thought I was actually cosplaying somebody with the microphone. So a lot of the Star Wars cosplay, seeing a lot of rays, not so many Kylos, but a lot of rays. <laughs> so it is calm down <laughs> in the vendor's room from what it was a few hours ago. Because I know that right now... There's a screening of the room. Oh, hi, Mark. And with Tommy Weizau, we'll be doing a Q&A afterwards where he'll go, Oh, hi, Mark. My name's not Mark. Oh, okay. I'm also seeing a lot of Crowley and Aziraphale cosplays. Okay, a possible reason why people are starting to leave. It's the USC Notre Dame game at Notre Dame. So, the most important rivalry game played today. My apologies to everybody who was watching the Texas-Oklahoma game earlier today. Spoiler, Oklahoma won. Alright, so it's safe to say everyone who wanted to get in to get their pass has gotten in to get their pass. Hopefully, Sunday is not going to be crazy because last year... Um, as I said, we had that rare super sports perfect storm, which for the first time, all four major, all four of the major North American leagues were having a game all within a five mile radius of each other. Gentleman was cosplaying Tuxedo Mask. Um, for those of you not familiar, Tuxedo Mask is a character from the um, anime Sailor Moon. Can I interview someone about this? Gee, do we want to be interviewed again? Yeah. 
Yes, we'd love to. Okay, so if you can introduce yourself and um, let me know what's going on. Is that too loud? No, that's fine. Okay. Hey, I'm G from Dead by Midnight. Okay. And what is Dead by Midnight? Hello, I'm Byron from Dead by Midnight. We're a uh, international crime-fighting spy duo from England, and in the evening we rock the stage as rock and rollers. We're a band. We're an animated comic book rock band. We travel through time solving crime while we rock the world. Did that tickle your fancy? You've got it, a smile it, on your face, It does. You? So do you guys at one point in one issue jam with the Beatles? Yeah. Well, obviously, I'm much younger but, than them. But you said you're, you're time travelers. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, we yeah. didn't go back to... No, we, 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 we traveled we forwards. Go, yeah, we didn't go back to 1960 or through to 1969. But we not yet. Do, though. I tell you not what, yet. I could teach them a thing or two. <laughs> I could tell you. We, we travel forwards in this one. In our first comic, Feed the Machine, we travel forwards in time to 2089, to Shankau, the last city remaining after the nuclear war. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's where we bring down the evil drug empire and rock. We're very busy. Very busy. Got a lot going on. And you brought your speaker that goes to 11, but you see, this one goes to 11. Yeah. Well, kind of a 2089, really. Yeah, we, our speaker goes very, very loud indeed. Very loud. So it's louder than 11, but you see, but this one goes to 11. Well, ours goes to 12. Let's just, let's, just, <laughs> let's just leave it at that. Ours goes to 12. In the future, it's much louder. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, now if anyone wanted to buy the comic, where would they buy it at? They'd go to our booth at 909 or they'd go online to uh, dbmband.com. Okay. Where all our animation is there, the store is there, there's merch, there's sexy t-shirts, there's a tea mug. There's a mug to drink tea from. What if you don't drink tea? Well, we you drink put, tea and that's what matters. Put, put your vodka and your rum in your, in your mug and drink it. You can drink anything out of our mug. It's, quite, imp it's quite important to talk about tea because we do drink tea. I thought that was a stereotype. No, we do drink tea. Oh, okay. Yeah, lots. That's what, yeah, that's what English people do. I know, because you have electric kettles specifically for that. Yes, we do. And we use it also for our hot water bottles. <laughs> or a brick. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. At yeah. the end of the bed, you'd put a brick. In the old days, you'd put a heated brick that you'd put in the fire if you didn't have a tea kettle, and then you'd put it at the end of the bed and it would heat your bed up. Or set fire to the house and burn your grandmother. Yeah. We don't do any of that, we just time travel through time and we solve crime. Forward through time. Forward. Well, this, this time, we can travel in any direction because we've got Alan, our manager, has an amazing gadget that allows <laughs> us to time travel. But in fairness, for this episode, we have gone forwards in time 60 years. What am I? 60 is it 70 years? I didn't do well in math. I did, I did, you said 2089. Yeah. I didn't do well in math. 60, that would be 60. 60 years, 60 years, yeah. 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 Felt like a couple but of seconds. the great thing is we don't age. No, it's beautiful. So we're still the same age, obviously, time traveling. In fact, I get younger in the comic. <laughs> you do. I get slimmer as well, which is always nice. Yeah. And we get sexy. I, I pull a lot more girls in the comic in the future than I am right now, which is shocking, really. It's the accent. Yeah, the accent does help a little bit sometimes, ladies. So how many issues are there currently of the comic book? We have two. We have two. We have volume zero, which is the introduction. Okay. And volume 1.1 1 .1 you know, is the first chapter of three chapters that make up the full story. Okay. So chapter two coming out in November. Okay. Chapter three coming out in February. That'll be the full graphic novel. Okay. You can actually find all of this on our YouTube channel if you subscribe to Dead by Midnight Band. Yes. 
everything's there. The so I would type in on YouTube Dead My Midnight Band and hit subscribe and then the bell to get the notification. That's exactly right. Well done. Yes, it would. And then you'd be entertained, you'd laugh, you'd cry, and then you'd be slightly aroused. All in one hit. Yeah, you can see our comic on there. You can hit, so watch us live. You can watch the teasers of our band. I would recommend, though, if you are anyone that's listening to this that is under the age of maybe 18 in England or 21 in America, apply two fingers into ears because there are some words that are naughty. Naughty for America or naughty for England? Anybody. We're just naughty. We're very naughty. Well, there's one word that... Well, we don't say that word. Which, what's it begin with? A C. No, we, we don't. We don't. We never <laughs> say we, that. We word. have rules. Okay. We only have three rules, and okay. that's that is one of them. Okay. Um, but okay. also in our comic, we say other words like okay. mother fluffer, things like that. Oh, okay. We yeah. say flipping hell. That's that's naughty. Scheisen. Holy mother forking shirt balls. Yes. In yeah. German, we'd say Scheisen. <laughs> yeah. We are we are known to be naughty, very naughty. I find that hard to believe. Come and party with DBM, you'll if you're, available, if you're around on the 7th of November in Los Angeles area, we're actually doing our live experience, our immersive show at Two Bit Circus, just around the corner from here in downtown Arts District of Los Angeles. The hours of the event, I've, I have no idea what they are, but... You know, we know it's the evening, 7th of November in the evening. And you'll free. be dead before midnight, probably by 11.59. Come and see our comic, come and see our animated comic. Watch us play a live gig. Okay. Listen to a beat, help you move your feet. Okay, thank you. All right, pleasure. Thank you. Well, you can introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Laura from STL Ocarina. Okay, and for those listening, what is an ocarina? An ocarina is a ceramic whistle. Most people know of it from The Legend of Zelda, but it's really an ancient instrument. Is this similar to what was used in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, or is that a different instrument? That is actually the same instrument, yeah. They, ocarinas have been used in cinema for, you know, since they've been making movies. They're really classy instruments. Okay, now, I, I know I went to a different convention and someone told me that each one is in a specific key, is that correct? Yeah, each one is in a specific key, but they're fully chromatic, which means that you can play in any key on the ocarina. Okay, and they, I see you have all the sizes here. Yes, so the smaller the size, the higher the pitch will be, and then the bigger and bigger that they get, the lower they are. So we have a big one here that's a bass ocarina. Wow. So in theory, someone could do an ocarina choir. There are people out there who have ocarina quartets and ocarina groups, and they travel around and do that. So I think that'd be a pretty cool job. So how, um, has, how has business been so far? It's been really great. I especially love this convention because everyone's in such a good mood and so excited. Great cosplay. So it's been really fun to share Ocarina with the people. So how much is, is an Ocarina? How much, well, how much is an Ocarina? So an Ocarina costs anywhere from $8 all the way up to 150 on our table. So you can start as simple as you want with a little tiny plastic one all the way up to a big performance quality ceramic. Okay, so I'm guessing the base the one? The base is the 150 50. yeah. Okay. And what key is the bass? Is the bass in C? The bass is in C, so it's just an octave lower than the standard Zelda operators. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Currently on the main stage now, they're doing a panel for Zombieland 2 Double Tap. Okay. So, serving you to introduce yourself. Okay. My name is Tim Zajac, and I'm the creator of Pone Noir. Okay, so the first question is, what is Pone Noir? 
Peau Noir is an anthology comic series that features film noir style adaptations of Edgar Allan Poe's works. Now, where'd you get the idea to do that? Uh, the idea for Peau Noir goes back to me sitting in college in a class about film noir and learning about the literary connections and origins of film noir. And when you take a look at um, the pulp novels, the dime novels, the crime novels that influence film noir, that literary tradition actually goes all the way back to Edgar Allan Poe. So, and what, what are the two stories that you've adapted? We have uh, adaptations of The Cask of Amontillado, The Fall of the House of Usher, The Pit and the Pendulum, and a lesser known Poe tale called The System of Dr. Tar and Professor Feather. I don't know that one. That's the one where the inmates are running the asylum. It's a pretty fun one. Is that where we get the phrase from? We do not get the phrase from that story, but it may be one of the earliest instances in fiction where the inmates are running the asylum. And how, were, how was it received when it came out? The original Poe story actually was received in such a way that uh, Poe's uh, critics and his uh, peer authors, they felt that he was uh, giving a critique of Washington, D.C. <laughs> so really, nothing has changed in 200 years. I'm sure Poe would agree. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, when the adaptation, when your comics came out, how were they received? Oh, so far so good. It's been very warm, uh, almost universally so. So are there any plans to do more adaptation? Yeah, yeah actually, uh, we have one issue in progress right now. It's going to feature an adaptation of A Descent into the Maelstrom, as well as the uh, infamous Raven. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how you would do the Raven as film noir. Uh, the only spoiler I will venture is that the Raven is not a bird in this tale. Ah. Well, I can't wait to see it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so if you can introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Bill Colomb. I'm the uh, president of Y Comics and writer of Kinetic. Okay, so what is Kinetic about? Uh, Kinetic is a uh, superhero turf war. The uh, main character, Johnny, is developing superpowers, uh, but his city already has a hero. Uh, that hero's kind of a jerk. He doesn't really care, and Johnny thinks he can do a better job. So it's kind of like the boys, but without all of the blood and gore. It's a, I like to say it's exactly like the boys, but yeah, no gore and a lot more optimistic worldview. Okay. So when, when issue one came out, how was it received? Uh, received very well. Uh, we just hit, for the entire series, 10,000 books sold. Wow. Which, uh, it's, uh, I like to say it's not Batman numbers, but uh, hey, if we're going around the country basically being like, hey guys, buy my book. Yeah, so that's really good. If someone wanted to buy Kinetic, where would they be able to do that? Uh, you can find it at our website, uh, kineticcomic.com. Thank you. Bad puns and bad jokes. So. Okay, so you can introduce yourself, sir. Oh, my name is Stephen Weller. I'm one of the writers for Scary Tales Publishing. Uh, I'm writing the series Lady Frankenstein and the Mummy's Brain. I have some short stories in our uh, Fractured Scary Tales book. And the next issue coming up of Supered Up Monster Kids, which is our kids series, is also my issue. Okay, so what is Lady Frankenstein and the Mummy's Brain? This is a fun piece. Uh, it's very much in the spirit of the old Hammer horror films from the 50s and 60s. Uh, it's a six-part graphic novel. A trauma surgeon in Africa is shanghaied by a mysterious Egyptian consortium. She turns out to be the long-lost great-granddaughter of the original Dr. Frankenstein. They have a brain they'd like put into a fresh body. Hijinks ensue. <laughs> 
Issue three is out. Issue four is finished, but the printers didn't get it to us in time okay. for this weekend. Uh, issue six, the final issue, will be next spring. Okay. So first question, is it an abnormal brain? It is not an abnormal brain, although it does go through some hard times. <laughs> and if someone wanted to get um, Lady Frankenstein and the Mummy's Brain, Fractured Scary Tales, or Supered Up Monster Kids, where would they be able to get them? You can get them online through our website, uh, fracturedscarytales.com. You can also get them, if you're in Southern California, uh, on the shelf at Pulp Fiction in Culver City. I think that's our only brick and mortar in Southern California. We're in little indie comic shops around the country, but okay. unless somebody's gotten one that they haven't told me about, okay. we're Pulp Fiction in, in Culver City. Okay, thank you. My pleasure. Hello, and welcome to day three of LA Comic-Con. So to recap you on what happened previously on LA Comic-Con. So yesterday after day two, they had an after party. The name of the after party was Ready Party One. So it was a takeoff on Ready Player One. It was held about a mile from here at the Globe Theater nightclub. So a little bit of history about the Globe Theater. It originally started as a vaudeville theater in and opened in 1913. And now it's been converted and it's now a nightclub. I'm still recovering. I thought I was recovered, but I'm not 100% recovered. And they had um, some DJs. They had DJ Elliot, who I guess is the official DJ for Disney and Lucasfilms, they had the Flux Capacitors, that's a cover band, and at one point, um, Gigi Edgeley was singing with the Flux Capacitors. It was a great time, and now we're here, back in the main hall, so we saw a panel, it was the Geek Fest Presents Women of Sci-Fi and Horror. So we're currently in the um, lobby area. So the crowd is not as busy as it was yesterday. And that may have to do with the fact that the Rams are currently playing Mayo from here at the Coliseum. For those of you listening, that would be the Los Angeles Rams of the National Football League. And they're playing the 49ers. Alright, so we're going to make our way up the escalator, up into the main room. It, be, it is Sunday, and I am seeing the gambit of cosplay today. A lot of DC, Marvel, Star Trek, Star Wars, Disney. I'm seeing a lot of Scoops Ahoy cosplay. Um, earlier when I was walking from the panel to make my way down to the main room, there was a family doing a Princess Bride cosplay. The father was... Wesley slash the Dread Pirate Roberts. The mother was Anito Montoya and their daughter was Buttercup. Because remember, the family that cosplays together stays together. All right, sir, if you can introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Omar Mora. Okay, and what is the Unearthians about? 
The Unearthian is about two best friends that get abducted by aliens, but the aliens didn't know that they're two vampires. Then the vampires discovered a dark agenda the alien has for Earth and the universe, so they save the world. It's a fun action thriller, warm, hard type of story. It's going to be a total of 12 issues. And if someone wanted to get get the first issue of the Unearthians, where could they get it? They can go to the website theunearthianscomics.com. If they're local in Los Angeles, at Golden Apple Comics, or in Glendale, at uh, Legacy Comics and Cards. Okay, thank you. Thank you, sir. Okay, sir, if you can introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Drew Dornfest. I'm the uh, writer and creator of Space Case Comic. Okay, what is Space Case Comic about? It's an all-ages comic about the first kid to grow up on Mars. His dad's an intergalactic superhero. And when his dad is away on an exciting mission, his mom gets abducted by an evil alien bad guy, and he has to save her by himself. And what was the um, response when issue one came out? Response is great. We came to um, LA Comic Con with last year with two issues, issue one and two, and issue three is about to come out next month. So it's been awesome meeting kids and families, first-time comics readers. It's been it's really, really, really rewarding. And if someone wanted to get a space case, where could they get it at? You can get it at spacecasecomic.com or follow us at spacecasecomic on Instagram and Facebook for all updates. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, we can introduce yourself. Hello, I am Katie Shaw, the creator and cartoonist for Dragon Child. Okay, what is Dragon Child about? So Dragon Child is an all-ages comic where mythical creatures are real and they want to find a way to integrate with humans and to do that, the dragons have picked one human to represent all of the different mythical creatures and make that bridge happen. And what was the reception when issue one came out? So the reception was actually really nice. Um, so issue one came out back late uh, 2013. And ever since, we've been coming out with new issues. We now have a full trade. And the reception for that has been fantastic as well because since it is an all-ages comic, the ability to have a, you know, harder book to, you know, carry around and put on a shelf is a lot easier for kids than an individual issue is. Um, but people seem to really like the characters, they really like the art, and uh, because of the feedback that I've gotten, I'm actually going to be coming out with a coloring book as well so that people can put their own taste on the characters as well. And if someone wanted to get um, Dragon Child, where, where could they get it at? So dragonchild.net is the easiest way. Um, I have all my products available there. And I, uh, in addition to the comic, have some plush handmade dragons, uh, big stuffed animals, as well as puppets. Okay. And those are all characters from the comic, too. Okay. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Have a great day. Thank you. Okay, we can introduce yourself. Hey, my name is George McHale. I'm the writer of Cover Darkness. Okay, what is Cover of Darkness about? Uh, Cover Darkness features all your favorite monsters, vampires, werewolves, Frankenstein, the mummy, the creature from the Black Lagoon. It's about a family in medieval Romania, and they get separated from each other, and they encounter all those classic horror villains. A mom and her two daughters, and she also has twin shape-shifting nephews, boys that can turn into animals. So you got monsters fighting animals, it's totally bonkers. So what was the reception when issue one came out? Oh, it's been fantastic, yeah. Uh, I've been, uh, it's my first year selling it, and uh, we're selling through on, uh, on our first print, we're on a second print of issue one. And if someone wanted to get Cover of Darkness, where could they get it at? Uh, 
go to my uh, uh, Instagram and uh, hit me up there. It's uh, comic underscore book underscore George. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, if you can introduce yourself. I am Shaquita Smith. Okay, and what is Raven Choi about? Okay, Raven Choi is about a girl, she's five years old. A hitman kills her parents right in front of her. They send her off to Korea as witness protection. She spends 20 years in Korea. Well, she's adopted by a Korean family, so she becomes a Choi. She finds a clue that her dad left in her teddy bear as a taped confession about what he knew about North Korea. He was in the military, U.S. military. Decides to come back to America to find a killer and becomes a bounty hunter in the process. Okay, and how was issue one received when it came out? Oh, they loved it. So this actually, this is the Comic Con where I launched my book. Oh, this so is back cool. in 2016, I was at this Comic Con, and I had books one and books two. Okay. Books two had just came out at this Comic Con, so uh, we sold a lot. People were into the story. A lot of men said that it reminded them of Batman, so <laughs> that's always a great thing to be in the same name as, in the same sentence as Batman. Um, but yeah, it's been great. I've been all over the world with it actually, so it's been a really great response. So I see that there are. It's three or four issues currently. Three issues. So this is the um, hard copy, the collector's edition that I have printed in Korea. Okay. And then these three books are the first three books that are out. I'm still working on two more books. Okay. Um, I'm writing the last two books to finish to complete the series before we go to trade paperback. Okay. And I also have it in Korean. I also have it translated into Spanish, but I haven't printed those out yet. But I'm going to a Comic Con in Mexico next year, so I'll have Spanish books when I go okay. there. Yeah. And if someone wanted to buy Raven Choi, where could they buy it at? Uh, you can go to my website, shirocomics.com, or you can actually, if you want digital, you can go to Amazon Kindle, Comixology, uh, it's on Kobo, and it's on Barnes & Noble's Nook. Okay, thank yes. you very much. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so if you can introduce yourself. My name is Mike from Inland Blue Comics. Okay, and if you can tell me um, what Grace is about. Yeah, our character Grace uh, dies on the second page of our first book. But like any good character, she's given the opportunity to come back to life with a catch because there's always a catch. The catch for Grace is every night at midnight, every night, she has to kill an evil soul. Truly evil. Murderers, rapists, Michael Bay. Terrible people that nobody <laughs> likes. Wait a minute. Michael Bay made one good movie, The Rock. And then ruined every other one. Yes, you're, you're right. <laughs> so, uh, Grace, the, what makes Grace different from other comic book characters, though, she has no powers. Okay. She is a regular girl who's been put into a superhero situation. Uh, imagine it. Uh, if I told you tomorrow, to be alive, you have to kill an evil person tonight at midnight. How are you going to find a murderer, rapist, drug dealer level person figure out how to kill them without getting hurt because guess what tomorrow you still got to go to work and without getting caught because tomorrow you have to do this again and then again on Tuesday and Wednesday Thursday without getting caught how do you keep it out of the media 365 bodies a year yeah that's bigger than serial killer you know yeah. it's but she's a regular girl she's not rich like Batman she's not a trained killer like Punisher. She's just a regular girl who's been put into a superhero situation. And so we start to think about things like, is this a gift or is this a curse? You know, who brought her back and for what reason? So it's, we know we're not going to out-Marvel Marvel being small press. Yeah. So we're doing stuff that they won't do. It's not that they can't do it. They won't do it, which is reality. Okay. Real world implications to superhero situations. And how many issues currently are of there, uh, of Grace? 
as of right now, we have seven issues of Grace. Issue eight should be out by the end of the year. Uh, but we have this story already storyboarded out to 40 issues. Wow. So it's just now taking off. We're just getting our legs, and the story is just now starting to flesh itself out. Yeah, just the intro is done. Now you're getting into the meat of the story. So what was the reception when the first few issues came out? Excellent. Uh, it, we are self-published, so the first two issues, uh, we had only those two issues for about two years. And then we were, with the sales of those two issues, we were able to get a, you know, more revenue. And so uh, just this year, 2019, we've put out four issues. Oh, wow. So yeah, we are now, just like the story of this book, we are gaining legs and gaining momentum. And we're hoping to start putting out six issues a year. So if someone were to want to buy Grace, where could they buy it at? Uh, we go to all the Comic-Cons nationwide, New York, New Orleans, Seattle, Utah. You know, we do all the big Comic Cons, but we also sell online at ibcomics.com. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. So, Robert, this is Jen Albert. She's the producer of Klingon okay. Tamerlane. Hello, Jen. So, if you can. There we go. Yeah, she, put, she didn't tell you about the interview? Uh, I was told there was going to be an interview at some point. Point. There, there was blood white involved during the conversation, indeed, correct? Indeed, indeed. I may have been a little fuzzy on the details of when this blood interview was going to happen. little Romulan ale, indeed. whatever, I'm fine. Okay, so you're doing Klingon Tamberlin. We are. Okay, so for those not familiar, like myself, what is the original play Tamberlin about? So Tamberlane is... Uh, it's Tamerlane the Great, parts one and two, from Christopher Marlowe, who was a contemporary, a contemporary of, of William Shakespeare. Okay. So he wrote Dr. Faustus, there's many other plays, but most people know Dr. Faustus is the main play that Christopher Marlowe wrote. And it pretty much follows the life of Tamerlane the Great, who was a conqueror and a warrior. And what fit in best with that were Klingons. So it just made the most sense, and, and Tamburlaine took over most of the Middle East and Asia at the time, and was known for conquering city after city after city sort after city. Sort of like an Alexander the Great okay. type, yeah. yeah. He was an unstoppable warrior, and uh, that seemed just to fall right in line with the Klingon culture. Yeah, it made well, the most sense. So I guess that was probably an easy part to adapt. What, what, what were some difficult things to adapt? one who adapted it and honestly it really fit in really well like I don't know if you know there's a Klingon Macbeth there's yes. a Klingon Hamlet there's a Klingon Christmas Carol yes. and those are all great but they don't make a whole lot of sense if you understand what a Klingon is okay. and if you're from the Star Trek place you know from that universe you understand exactly what Klingons are and so it fit in perfectly, and there's a ton of battles in this. There's a lot of fighting. So we have butlets and ticklets and mechlets, and there's a zero-gravity fight. We fight. Two female Klingons have a huge fight with Doc Togs. So I don't know. I don't think there was anything that hard about it. My husband may disagree since he's the one who adapted it. He had to cut a lot yes. because um, Tamberlane each individual play, parts one and two, are probably close to two and a half, three hours okay. themselves. And so he put them together, so he had to cut a lot out. So it mainly just follows the main through line, which is Tamburlaine's story. Okay. And the play comes in 
under two hours yeah. now yeah, with intermission. Under so two hours. And it's, it's a fast night. It's <laughs> fast and it's fun and it's frankly very diverse because we have Romulans and Terrans and mm -hmm. Vulcans and Creoceans and. Indeed, and and uh, slave girls. Slave girls, uh -huh. yeah. Yep, so yep. we've got our green slave girls. Our green, yeah, we've yep. got them all. We've got. Oh, and a gorn. We've got a gorn. Shh. We've got a. Oh, it's a gorn. Sorry. It's gorn. That was the secret movie. Yeah, he's like a, he's an Easter egg. There's an Easter egg gorn in it. You know. So there's Rurapente comes into place. We go to Creos Prime. We go to Kronos. We go all over. Narendra yeah. three. Narendra three. Wow. Yep. Yeah. 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 Sherman's planet. Uh, no. no, 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 Sorry. unfortunately not. No. <laughs> no. Edward's going to be so upset about that. <laughs> Sorry, Edward. That's we... a reference to the new short track. Oh. The Trouble with Edward. The Trouble, the trouble with Edward. With Edward. I, have, I have heard of it, but I have not seen it. It's yet. basically a prequel to The Trouble with Tribbles, nice. and it explains why they reproduce so fast. Oh. A little triple backstory. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I would it. like some triple backstory. I they're, like that. They're... And it's H. John Benjamin, the voice of Archer and Bob from Bob's oh, Burgers. Wonderful. Okay. Wonderful. I feel like I saw that on the on the page. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm gonna have to watch that. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool. So, is the play done in Klingon or is it in English? There's. It's done in English because it's Christopher Marlowe. So it's in classical text performed okay. by classically trained actors okay. who are also. Star Trek nerds, uh, but we do sing two Klingon songs, and there is Klingon words thrown throughout it. Yeah, pepper. Yeah, and we it. talk yeah. about Kalish, and we talk about Molor, and. The more you know about Klingon culture, the more of the references and the jokes you'll get. But even if you don't know anything about Star Trek, it's still a really fun, really compelling story. Yeah. Okay, now if someone wanted to see this, where would they see it at? Uh, you could go to the School of Night website, which is www.schoolofnight.org, and follow the link there to get tickets. The show is at the Complex Theater. Um, in Hollywood, which is 6476 Santa Monica Boulevard. And we have shows Fridays, Saturdays, and Monday nights at 8 p.m. until November, November 9th. 9th. Okay. So it's a pretty good run. Mondays are really great, actually, for theater people because they can't usually attend Friday. Because Monday is usually the, the show's dark. It's a dark yeah. night, yeah, yeah. So we're performing specifically so theater people can come see it. Trekkies, you guys can come anytime. And and more than welcome to come because, oh boy, do we love having people in the audience yeah. that get the jokes. So is cosplay permitted to be yes, in the audience? Absolutely. Cosplay is encouraged. In fact, if you come in costume. In Star Trek in costume, Star specifically. Costume, anything from the Star Trek universe, you get a free cup of blood wine at intermission. What year is the blood wine? Oh, we picked a fine vintage directly from Kronos. Mm, I believe it's a 34? Mm, yeah. I believe. I believe. We have some 35s in there too, but okay. we keep those in the back. We serve the 34s first. The better your costume, the better the vintage. Gotcha. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> All right, so we're here 
in the big lobby here of the Los Angeles Convention Center. So things are starting to wind down here on Sunday. Overall, for all three days, it's been a very well-attended convention. Yesterday was just, was not expecting that many people. I don't think the promoters were expecting that many people, in all honesty. It's, it's been a great convention. Can't wait for next year. Next year will be the 10th anniversary or the 10th LA Comic Con. So on behalf of a cast of thousands, this is Robert Reyes for the Promenade Podcast. We'll see you next time.